we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Hi, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Wherever you find us, whether it's a video on YouTube or on your favorite podcast platform, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. You can also find us on major social media platforms where I give you a heads up about upcoming shows and which date and time they will be aired. If you go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com, you can find links to the shows, MP3 files which you can download, or links to your favorite platform like iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and all other major sources. You can find information for upcoming and past talk show appearances as well as new book projects at MarlenePardo.com. You can also purchase books and merchandise there. And you can visit my author page on Amazon at Marlene Pardo Pelliser. Due to popular demand, I'm narrating my true believer stories that I've collected throughout the years in a new series called Supernatural Storytime. You can find links at SupernaturalStoryTime.com. If you are into classic horror, ghosts, and adventure stories, I narrate some of those at Nightshade Diary. And you can find links at NightshadeDiary.com. If you would like to read noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, you can visit the Stranger Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. I do want to thank you all for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi everybody, this is Marley with Miami Ghost Chronicles, Stories of the Supernatural. How's everybody doing today? Good? Good, I hope. Doing good. Uh, as you guys know, as everybody's always asking me about this, yeah, we've got, we're like definitely in the rainy season here down here in South Florida, so I'm getting lots of rain. Uh, the, the, the trees are growing great, but man, I've got everything, uh, weeds, you name it, uh, growing with it. I'm, you know, because I'm not using any, you know, any uh, herbicides, but, you know, I'm, if anybody's got suggestions, because I'm doing a, a thing of like, vinegar and somebody saying salt and it's like ah because it's like you put stuff out there and it gets washed away and you walk out there and it's kind of toppling so anyway yes let me let me have my wimpy rant now that it's over <laughs> anyway guys <laughs> let me tell you about our guest today um this is a lady who is uh, to say she's an author, so that's an understatement. Her name is Marilyn Hughes, and she founded the Out of Body Travel Foundation back in 2003. She's written over 98 books, uh, 40 magazines, and around 15 CDs uh, on out of body travel. 
and comparative religious mysticism. Uh, these books, uh, along with the music, are all f available for free to download. By the way, and we'll mention it again towards the end, but the uh, her website is outofbodytravel.org. That's outofbodytravel.org. But anyway, she has experienced research written and taught about out-of-body travel and mysticism since 1987. She's appeared on innumerable radio and television programs to discuss her out-of-body experiences. Now, she's also studied uh, the ancient sacred texts of all major and minor world religions, uh, Catholic, mystical, aesthetic, biblical, doctrinal, dogmatic, systematic, everything. She's, she, you know, she's, no, she's beyond well-rounded. Um, she's also uh, has uh, studied as a remote viewer with Joseph McGonagall, who trained her, and he's an operational remote viewer. And uh, she's also has a certificate in naturopathic medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, and Reiki. Uh, she has uh, an honorary doctorate in divinity and metaphysics uh, certification as a chaplain, spiritual counselor, and interfaith ministry. So, how are you doing today? How are you? And, and by the way, guys, I left some stuff out there because of that. But yes, I th that's just the best part. But believe me, there's a lot more. But anyway, go ahead. How are you doing today, Marilyn? I'm great. How are you doing? Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, Okay, and I'm going to ask you because I, I, I and, and believe me, I, I'm wondering <laughs> how did you get interested in this? Was it childhood experience, something that profoundly affected you when you were very young, or was it something that you, that you grew into as an adult? A little bit of both, I'd say. You know, um, when I was nine, I had a profound out of body experience where I was kind of shown. Okay. I, I you know, the clouds parted. I talked, I've talked about this a lot in other interviews, but the clouds parted. There was this marble staircase up towards the heavens and um, the angels were lining the staircase and I was, wow. you know, sent up the stairs and there were two thrones at the top and uh, two beings that I perceived as personifications of God the Father and God the Son. And I was given um, a little bit of a... Uh, visual tour through what would be like the remainder of my childhood. I was shown oh. some of the things that would be difficult that I would have to overcome and get through. And I was also informed that there was going to come a time in my adulthood where this experience was going to return to me and that there was uh, something that I needed to do, destined to do, so to speak. And so it was around the time that I was around 22 mm -hmm. that I started having these experiences again spontaneously. Okay. And I started journaling about them. And, you know, the rest is history. You know, I'm 54 now, so it's been going on for a good 30-some years, you know. And, um, and uh, boy, it's gone a lot deeper and a lot farther than I could have ever imagined, you know, in terms of the depths of the knowledge and the wisdom that's available to us through these experiences okay. and what we can learn about um, not only our own souls but the spirit world ironically um, what's happening when we're dealing with ghosts when we're dealing with uh, hauntings things mm -hmm. like that that you talk about a lot on your show but also uh, how to how to help how to deal with those things yes. also as well, you know, uh, a lot a lot of my books deal with the purification process that we all need to 
consider undergoing during our lives so that we can utilize this time as, as well as possible for the purpose that we were brought here for. So yes. a lot of what I was instructed in and have continued to be instructed in is the, um, the importance of the, the use of our time here okay. for the purification journey. Because, you know, uh, and, you know, a lot of people find this, it seems like too simple a message, I think, yeah. but, in, but in reality, you know, we, um, we get so caught up in, in so many worldly things and we forget that there is a very specific set of instructions that we incarnate with. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we can get distracted to the point that those instructions can be completely forgotten sure. or just kind of uh, put to the wayside. Mm -hmm. And I do think a big part of the purpose of my work and my writings is to help people to refocus on that so that we don't waste time. We don't waste our incarnations here. Yes. Let me ask you, when you said nine years old, that's very young. Did, was, did something happen in your life? Was it sickness? Because I know illness sometimes will trigger it. Or did it just happen? When I was young, it was ju it just happened. Okay. Um, it was interesting, you know, because I, I was raised... Uh, I was raised in a Mormon household, but it was not a devout household. And pr basically, primarily, you know, most of the members of my family were really more atheists. Mm -hmm. My, um, It was primarily my father who was Mormon, but it, again, not a devout household, and he wasn't real devout or anything. Okay. Um, but I had a real strong, it was, it was diff what was it different in my situation was that I just, from the time I it was young, it a really strong awareness of Jesus Christ. Okay. I knew, and I, and so I was always praying, and I was always, you know, s studying the, the New Testament and stuff like that. Um, and I think that, you know, that helped me to be receptive to yes. see that right. vision. Um, and then, you know, later in life, um, you know, when it first came back at the age of 22, again, it was more spontaneous. But around the age of 36, I did have uh, a major illness that uh, occurred that should have been terminal, but ended up, uh, you know, obviously being uh, not being terminal. Better. Not terminal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And right. uh, you know, so um, yeah, so that also I believe also impacted the journey as well because. Okay. As you go into a space where the the illness takes you to what I kind of call the borderlands of existence, which mm -hmm. is where you live in both worlds a lot more, especially when you're at your sickest, and right. the veil lightens quite a bit. So it's um, even easier sometimes, I think, to travel out of body and and have more of the deeper spiritual experiences. So um, I think that you know. Uh, in my er early 20s, I began this search because I wanted to know the truth, no matter what that might be, you know, whether it was what I already believed or what I didn't know. And obviously, there's a lot that I've learned that none of which I knew. And um, you know. Well, you know what? There's not, I mean, because let's face it, everybody knows you're going to die. But everybody's yeah. always thinking, I will die when I'm an old That's person. The but there's nothing yeah. like facing your own mortality, I think, when you're younger when you're yes. thinking, I'm not, I, I, I'm supposed to be around for a lot longer, like you said, that 
kind of like makes you go into this mindset and oh, oh, spiritual awakening that you Absolutely. think, well, what a shame that you have to wait till maybe you're faced with, I'm not going to maybe die when I'm 85. Right. Yeah. But you know, that is so true because, um, we do, and that is one of the ways that we waste a lot of time mm -hmm. because we don't realize, but it's, it's, it's a twofold process. I think, you know, there is just that, uh, mental aspect of it, but there's also a physical aspect when your body is shutting down okay. that, that kind of lifts the veil a bit. It may, okay, if you, yes. really do, you really do have, a. Uh, a little bit more of living between worlds yes. and it makes that kind of experience much more likely, uh, much more, you know, frequent and stuff like that. And so during those periods, I think that, um, uh, it kind of heightens, heightens that for a lot right. of us. Right. And you uh, hear a lot from, um, medical personnel that, you know, like hospice nurses and, you know, oncology units that, you know, when you have a lot of people, like you said, that are in that, they they see and they address spiritual beings that as a matter of fact one time I spoke to um, one of my guests she was a hospice nurse and she says you know sometimes I treat these people for quite a while but she says but once I hear them talk to or about somebody I know that's deceased I know that their days that they're gonna be dying soon she goes that's how I know uh, even yeah. though their health or their symptoms might be very stable or not change she goes that's one of my first indicators that something is happening with them so like yeah. you said it thins out the veil thins out and your perception I guess becomes more acute yes um, and you know that's true in the fact that um, you know and there were periods during my own illness where um, a lot of my deceased relatives and friends moved closer to me so they okay. were closer because there were periods of peril where I could have crossed, you know? And so they were, they move in closer. Let me ask you something, Marilyn, when you yeah. had that dream that you said you were seeing all these things that you were gonna have to go through, did you force, did you get a, a, an inkling of that health crisis that you experienced back then? Did they no, share that to you? I was not shown at all. It was okay. mostly about the trials and the difficulties I would face um, during the childhood in, in order to get to adulthood. Okay, I see. I see. Okay. And it, it was all accurate. It was helpful because it gave me a sense of the uh, the the way to deal with it. Sure. Ahead of time. Sure. And you know what was interesting about it at the age of nine, and this is one of the, it was one of those experiences where, you know, it was kind of like Jacob with the uh, the ladder, you know, where it it was it was an out of body experience fully conscious I mean it was it was it was not like a dream at all okay it was um, but you know at the same time it could be you know you could call it whatever you call it but mm -hmm. it was it was one of those things where it was it was you know literally the heavens just descended for that period of time and there was no denying it we did it again Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. 
best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. You can't, you know what I mean? Guys, it's interesting. A lot of people ask me, well, how do you know if you're having an out-of-body experience or not? The reality is, you know, a lot of people have, you know, because uh, a lot of people know now that people have out-of-body experiences in their sleep. A lot Mm -hmm. of people experience different levels of consciousness of those experiences. And some of that is remembered in various levels of the dream state, you know. But when someone has a fully conscious out-of-body experience, it's so uh, mind-blowing and mind-bending and it's so fully conscious. You feel more awake and present than you do in your waking life. You you don't have to ask the question. It's not right. Like, exactly. There's. It's not that that uh, was it. You know, was it a dream or <laughs> what? Well, you know, well, man, it didn't. Right. And I understand this. There's absolutely no a yeah, question. It's, it's a completely. Yeah. You you and you know and that's the thing I think that a lot of people would benefit from hearing is when you have it fully conscious, you're not going to need to ask. You're yes. going to go through the the whole process of the vibrational state. You're going to hear the roaring sounds of the astral plane. Mm-hmm. You're going to go through the separation process and you are going to experience being in your spirit, separate from your body, fully conscious of it. And there's, it's going to be a no question event. It's like, right. whoa, this is for real. You yes, know, yes. Um, one of the things though, that a lot of people I think would also benefit from knowing is that that basic, um, that basic con, you know, construct of an out-of-body experience of, okay, so we separate from our body, right. is literally the basic experience. There is so much more to out-of-body experiences and out-of-body travel to be had because it involves the ability to travel. It takes time and effort and prayer, meditation, spiritual reading, and all these things, but there is, you know, a multidimensional universe that you then begin to travel. So you're going to be moving through, you know, infinite numbers of realms, which include heavens, purgatories, and hells. And, and so this, you know, this just separating and seeing your body separate in your spirit form is literally, it's just like walking out your front door. That's the that's just your basic beginning experience, and uh, uh, literally, it's kind of like what St. Paul said: "Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, what God has prepared." The the things that are available through the out of body travel experience are so far beyond that, and that's partly what um, people will benefit from, you know, in reading some of these books because they start realizing what. Uh, this this uh, educational process that our guardian angels and our spiritual guardians take us through in the spirit world and how God can educate us and purify us and actually raise our vibrations and bring our education higher and reveal to us these, uh, these important issues of our own personal soul, our reincarnational issues as to what it is that we're here to achieve or overcome in this lifetime and then you know we're also taken into you know realms of service where we are being taught how to assist with other things of the spiritual world which has to do with you know the nature of ghosts lost souls 
spiritual warfare, angels and demons, and you're going to be dealing with souls who are doing times in, uh, you know, innumerable purgatories Mm -hmm. and even hell realms. And we are also then given instruction and given vibrational raisings to help us to uplift and uh, do, do greater things and become greater in our understanding and knowledge as well to go to higher spheres ourselves um, through the aid of, you know, the, um, the spiritual hierarchies that are sent to assist us. So it truly is an infinite universe that you are tapping into. And literally, the first out-of-body experience, that's just literally the beginning. And you and, know what? You, you, you said something really interesting, Marilyn, when you mentioned purgatory. Because mm-hmm. most, a lot, not everybody, depending also on what their religious beliefs are or their knowledge, everybody thinks either you go to heaven or you go to hell. Right. This is that uh, either, <laughs> either or the, and a lot of people don't realize like that there is the purgatory, the state of purgatory, which is kind of like your last chance to like not have to go to, you know, in other words, redeem yourself in other words. Now, let me ask you, do you think that ghosts, and by this I mean intelligent, not is that a form of purgatory for those souls caught there or no? Some of them. Now, what, what I have seen is what we have when you're dealing with a lot of ghosts, you have, you have a variety of spirits. Right. You have right. lost souls, which are souls that are lost. A lot of times sudden death or traumatic death. Um, sometimes people who didn't have or, or didn't put any effort into any spiritual achievement in life so they literally are unable to raise their vibration enough to even see beyond a third dimensional construct so they get lost right when they cross over death comes suddenly a lot of you see this with car accidents airplane crashes Mm -hmm. any kind of disaster you know any kind of natural disaster any kind of even criminal events you know some of these shootings that we see Mm -hmm. i deal with souls who are um are taken very much by surprise by these and um, have to go through processes. So we assist them in uh, adjusting to their new status and that kind of thing. So we have lost souls. Then we have wandering spirits. And this is kind of what you're referring to, which are usually purgatorial souls who have been given time where they have to wander in certain areas of the earth to do some kind of time. So I'll give you a couple of examples of this. Okay. Um, One time I was in, uh, I was in a hotel room, ironically, a Motel 6. (laughs) And, and, um, and, you know, I was greeted during the night by us. It was in a, it was in a city, you know, and I, I, I used to live out in the mountains. So whenever I would go to the city, I'd often pick up a lot of souls. I live in a small town now outside of a city now. I still do the, do the same thing, but it's just I don't live in the mountains anymore. But um, so I had gone to this Motel 6, and a group of about 20 or 30 spirits um, came to me at the foot of my bed and explained to me, they asked me to pray for them. They were purgatorial spirits, wandering spirits, and they were sent to wander the, uh, the, you know, the third and the fourth realm for a period of time, and it was for the purpose of, the during their lives, they had ignored the needs of others. And okay. so they 
going to experience being ignored and having okay, not, yeah. people not being able to hear them or see mm -hmm. them or being uncared for. And this right. was the purgatory. So a lot of times when we see ghosts, one of the things that's real important for your listeners, like, what, what should I do? What should I do? First okay. thing you start doing is you pray for them. You yes. start praying for them. And there are a lot of things. I have a lot of resources at my website for praying for uh, the, the departed. Yes. So you can even get that at my website if you want to know what kinds of prayers and things like this. We, you know, we can offer all sorts of prayers for them, but start right. praying for them. But okay. there's also a lot of guidance in my books on how do you actually specifically help these souls. Lost souls are going to be different because you're going to actually direct them. Re, uh, you're going to re-change re their energy just a little bit because you're going to try to shift them to the point where they're able to um, bring their vibration up enough so that they can now see the light, okay, see yeah. the guardian angels, and then they can take it from there. And so that happens in a myriad of ways. You know, and I have some books in a series called the, the Mystic Knowledge Series. And, of course, all my books are available for free download at the site at outofbodytravel.org. And you can download uh, a book called Ghosts and Lost Souls, which tells, gives you a ton of detail and a ton of different scenarios with ghosts and lost souls. There's also spiritual warfare angels and demons, which goes into this other aspect of it, which is, you know, that so we have the lost souls, we have wandering spirits, and we also have dark souls and evil spirits. Yes. So, you know, in terms of the hauntings, you're going to have a range within all of those levels. When you're dealing with evil spirits or dark spirits, it's going to be totally different than a lost soul or a yes. wandering spirit because these are situations that require spiritual warfare. They're often souls that have to be what I call dismantled, and okay. they are sent to the lower spheres to be dealt with there. And okay. it sounds harsh, but... As you read those books about it, you understand better why that must be. We go where we're compatible. Yes. So if you're an evil spirit, you're going to go where you're compatible because there are energetic laws that keep things in balance. And I actually have a great story about um, an evil spirit like this that okay. is very interesting um, that I think shows this. Uh, because when I first started learning about this, I had trouble understanding that uh, sometimes we had to dismantle a soul and allow it to be literally sent below. Okay. Uh, there was a case um, when I was living out, up in the mountains, we had a case of a missing gentleman who was apparently involved in some dark activity, satanic mm -hmm. type things. He was missing. And um, he started, he was missing for several months, and he started coming to me, um, and he was showing me things, but he was profoundly, profoundly evil, and he was extremely dangerous. Okay. And this considered, this was considered totally a violation of eternal law, because I was trying to help him, and he was trying to hurt me for helping him. So, right. Uh, okay. And so... Uh, you know, to make a long story short, he kept showing me, uh, you know, he would he would keep attacking me. He would okay. kind of 
and his and that was his purpose because he had become an evil spirit because okay. he was evil. Um, so when you're dealing, like for instance, with someone who's crossed over, who's who's truly evil, they do become evil spirits, and you right. can't help that. A lost soul, on the other hand, is just lost, and you're right. going to help, and they're going to go to the light, and that's usually that's your usual situation okay. with most hauntings. But you do have, you know, in these places that have the unusual hauntings that people really have a hard time getting rid of. It's usually an evil spirit or a dark spirit. It's just really difficult to um, disengage. But anyway, he was showing me, um, kept showing me an upside down owl and a pile of bones. Okay. And so I called the sheriff and just shared that with him because, mm -hmm. you know, I've done some of these things before. And, um, and then I kind of ignored it and I prayed a lot because I was, this was a really, really dangerous soul. And okay. um, this was or probably the first time that I dealt with someone who was literally dangerous to me. Okay. Uh, most of the lost souls I had worked with were, uh, I dealt with a lot of souls who had done some very bad things before their deaths, but they okay. were not evil, you know? Okay. They were lost, it was different. So, you know, that's where you go into the energetic truth of things. But anyway, about a month later, I got a call from the sheriff and he said, um, I was just wondering if you'd come into my office. I want to show you something. And um, so I came into his office, and he just threw a picture down on the counter. It was a picture of an owl hanging upside down over a pile of bones. And it turned out they found him, and that was what the the satanic cult did to him. Oh. And, yeah. And so... He was showing me where, you know, he had been, you know, ritually murdered. Okay. But it was, um, but it was bizarre. It was very bizarre because he had kind of agreed to it. Well, and that was my question. Did they kind of turn on him or did he volunteer himself? <laughs> it it sounded like what the sheriff was explaining to me was that there was some kind of like suicidal agreement that he was sacrificing. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So it yes. was really bizarre, um, okay. but then what, what came to pass after this, they found, found him and they found the, there was actually a woman who was uh, primarily responsible and okay. she had actually... You know, we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row. Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. No, she had you know, stuff in her freezer. She was doing some really bad things. Okay. Um, and um, so she's, you know, she's 
she got prosecuted and I took care of all that. Um, but then, you know, spiritually, it was just very interesting because he had somehow agreed to this. And, um, and he had kind of even told me that in the experiences I was having, and this was part of the reason he was attacking me. And he was upset because, you know, he was sacrificing himself to Satan, but yet he wasn't getting what he wanted. I mean, well, just, well, I was going to ask you, what was he you attempting know? to do? Was he tr attempting to take you over to possess you? Or what was his purpose in or coming I to you because you were actually able to communicate with him? I think that he wanted to, uh, there was a combination. He, mm -hmm. he would have enjoyed possessing me, and I think right. he did try to do that. He also wanted to destroy me because that's okay. what evil wants to yes, do with the life as a general rule. Yes. And so I had this subsequent then um, mystical experience, an out-of-body experience was very profound um, where I went through a purification ritual and Jesus was there and he took me to this council of 12 and uh, it was regarding his soul. And Jesus took me in there. He was totally quiet. There's these other, you know, Jesus wearing a white robe. The, the older, the council of old men was, they were all wearing a white robe. And they were going to pronounce judgment on this soul. And despite how evil he was, I, I was still, you know, hoping that there was some way to help him. Okay. And, um, and they pronounced the second death on his soul. And, um, and that was the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. Okay. And Jesus took me out of the, uh, building and I looked at him and I was about to say something. Cause you know, I was like, well, what, there should be something we can do. Right. And he just looked at me and he said, it is not for you to understand. It is just for you to know. And then I was going to say something again, and he just repeated, you know, it is not for you to understand. It is just for you to know. And so I knew that the second death had been pronounced upon him, but I did not know yet, you know, what was that second what death? That? What does okay. that really mean, you know, um, for a soul like in that circumstance? Um, but, you know, what's interesting, you have a situation like this where the consequences are so serious. And of course, I don't know anything about what his life was like and, you know, all these right. things. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you have other situations, like for instance, uh, you're, you know, I, w I worked in a, in a home that had terrible hauntings going on, okay. really, really serious hauntings. But it turned out to be, um, I'm sure you've heard of these kinds of situations before where, Sometimes a spirit, a spirit stays there and it starts drawing other spirits yes, to it. And then yes. over time, groups form. Yes. And, and then the, the energy of that can appear to be more uh, sinister than it actually is just because there's this group mentality. Yes. Um, sometimes you have, like some of the lost souls will be doing things that are almost like tricksters. Mm -hmm. You get into like even poltergeist type activity. A lot of times when you're dealing with poltergeists, you, you really have to discern whether there's evil involved. Um, but sometimes it's something like this. So this was a huge group. It was like 60 or 70 uh, okay. souls had eventually congregated in this home. And um, 
they were they were they were un, they were afraid to um, move forward and um, and what they had done was they had created and in fact in this home you had a haunting and you also had a young woman who was okay. experiencing signs of psychosis and possible okay. possession but in this case and you know she had been going into the hospital in psychotic episodes they've been putting her on antipsychotic medication it was a really bad situation and when I went in in the out-of-body travel state the first time I went in I was introduced to all these souls and I saw oh, okay we've got a mess here right. um, but it looks like it might be something we might be able to do something about and then I was taken back in like about a week later and we started moving the souls out and it was the most beautiful thing because a lot of times what you'll do is you will seed some type of information the first time you go in okay. so we're letting them know okay so you guys are dead a lot of times lost souls haven't figured that out yeah yet. i know I, you would think let, let, me, let me let's state the obvious and people think like really yeah tell them they're dead that's why everyone's been ignoring exactly, exactly. <laughs> And so you state the obvious, and then you start there, and then it's like, okay, so we have to get your vibrations lifted. You're you're kind of attached to the earth, and then you have different reasons for different souls. And you know, a lot of people are attached to the earth for for various reasons. These people were congregating to one another um, because they they were kind of tricksters. They were doing things they yes. shouldn't have been doing. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. They were congregating and creating like this. It was a way for them not to progress. It was a way for them to create like a vacuum of energy. And so I spoke to them about the importance of their journey. I spoke to them about the importance of Jesus Christ. I spoke to them about the importance of how all of them as a group needed to realize um, that they were just sitting there wasting time and they were actually violating eternal law because they were hurting this young woman um, and they were they were creating all this havoc in this home and they did not have dominion to do that. One of the things we have to remember is whenever there's a haunting, we're dealing with issues of dominion. Those who are haunting don't have dominion and this is where we have the eternal law to uh, claim with them in terms of they don't ha they, they can't stay they don't have right. the right to stay and you know a lot of people too will say oh but it's a friendly ghost it's no big oh, deal boy. Big and mistake. it's like well that may be true you may have a friendly ghost but at the same time there are some some ghosts that are friendly but at the same time it's not good for them to stay they're, they're they need to go because they have they have to progress and they're wasting time and so when I returned, it was just beautiful because there were like 60 or 70 souls. And so it was like this beautiful funnel through the black night of the sky. It was lined with the, these huge, huge, they were, I would say, like 20 feet high wow. angels, you know, with the big white wings. And they lined this funnel. And with each soul, they came through in a line, and I prepared them as we, you know, shot them up, and they were all liberated and set free. 
And you know, this young woman who had been on antipsychotic drugs yes, for what years, happened with her? she got off the drugs immediately. Great. She was you know, completely disabled by this. She began working within the next six months, and her life was normal within a year. There were no more signs of the haunting. And you know, after after we got all the souls out, there's a there's a process in the out of body travel state that you also do, which was that we sealed that house off okay. mm -hmm. from the spirit realm. We okay. sealed it with, with the sign of the cross, with the with uh, you know a series of prayers that were necessary, and I also spoke to the young woman was necessary in her case because she had this um, natural gift, which in her case was, could lead her in a bad direction, sure. that she really needed to stay away from this sort of thing. She had to, you know, some people can work with the spirits and some people can't. No. Yeah. And they, she was there for some of, reason, there, there's something in their psyche or their soul that they have this vulnerability that exactly. they can, that no, they can never, no matter, I mean, not to disregard protection, but it, yes. it would be very dangerous for them to engage or be around that type of activity. Exactly. Yes. And so it's real important that when something like that um, is occurring to someone that, you know, you can almost always determine that if someone is having that kind of a response, they're not probably a person who should be uh, be doing that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It's probably a natural gift to them, and they have to uh, put a lot of things in place to protect yes. themselves even more uh, because of that. You know. Let me and, ask you something. I'm going to interrupt you real quick because I want to. Sure. That original guy, that the one that you told me that it turned out that he was he offered himself as a that he had been of when he was alive he was a horrible guy and pretty evil. Uh, satanic worship and then he goes off and he volunteers to get killed do you think at any point that he had and by this I don't want to excuse his whatever he did when he was alive do you think at any point he had any type of non-human entity that attached to him or that he what they call a perfect possession allowed himself to be taken over by something that was extremely dark do you think that's possible you know, it's interesting because in his case, it reminded me much more of like what Sweden, Emanuel Swedenborg spoke about yes. when, um, when he talks about how people, when they cross over, become angels or demons. Mm -hmm. He became like okay. a demon. He okay. just became that. And, you know, I don't know what kind of life he lived because I didn't right. know much about him. Uh, but I, I knew that he was satanic. I don't know... But by, based on that, you know that without knowing the details, it probably <laughs> you can just make good. some assumptions, but you don't yeah. know exactly. But it's it's a you know it's interesting too because I've recently dealt with another case that involved uh, a person who had satanic leanings, who mm -hmm. had died, and um, I was approached by some people about this, and it was interesting because people are so shocked um, because they'll they are so shocked when they find out that uh, because they think they think that that doesn't matter and I'm not sure why uh, <laughs> because this person 
just like this one from many, many years ago, uh, became an evil spirit, very demonic, yes. very dangerous spirit. And, um, you know, uh, a person who has a you know, family, children, mm-hmm. and, you know, a, according to the people that knew this person was a good person. And I said, well, you know, you cannot ignore the fact that this is what this person was doing. And it's, you know, and you, when, you, when you're dealing with the out-of-body travel state, you're, you're taken into the teaching of energetic truth, which is okay. you are taught how to mystically identify what something is, regardless of how it appears under the mask of human flesh. You know what I mean? And so even like, you know, in this case that I just shared with you, Mm -hmm. you have uh, the appearance of something that could have appeared to be quite demonic. It was more of just a bunch of lost souls, um, you know. And then in this other case, you have, you just, you're shown, you know, in an interior way what the energetic truth is behind all interactions. So you, in the out-of-body travel state, these these things are taught to you mm-hmm. where God informs you energetically. It's infused into you. So you're taken into a situation and you might see what what it looks like on the ground and then what how God views it. So and, let me ask you something. This person that you're talking about, he, he, it was discovered after the, the person's death that he was into or she was into satanic things, but the family or the nobody was aware of it. Is that what happened? That they it's, were from, from what I understand, I think they they might have been aware of it, but they just oh, didn't think they, it was that big of a deal because okay. you know, and I guess you know, um, and this, I guess you know, people who practice certain things, right? Uh, can also come across as just very good people, but oh well, deception is part of that whole exactly yeah belief but, system. But, so you know, yeah. for people listening, I want to point out to you, um, you cannot you cannot make a deal with with dark side and expect it to have no consequences. It has not. terrible consequences. You know, it's it's really um, a very serious serious thing, and yes. you know, but in our current uh, society. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of these things have been minimized as to their true import. When you go into the out-of-body travel state, you find out, you know, what is holy, what is evil, and what is everything in between. Um, and that's very, very important because, you know, these are the mortal realms where we learn about good and evil within ourselves and all around us. And... Um, Part of this whole thing that we go back to, which is, you know, wasting our time here, is that if we do not learn those things, we're kind of wasting time. Because there are aspects of ourselves that reside in darkness that we don't recognize. And we can only recognize if we are receptive to have it being pointed out to us either by others or by God. Right. And God, uh, through, you know, certain these out-of-body experiences, he provides us with this way of seeing ourselves, you know, truly. Um, and it, and it really heightens and, 
accelerates our path because by being able to uh, recognize these things that we need to do, whether it's whether it's those issues, vices, right. whatever within our lives, or recurring uh, habitual patterns that have come throughout past lives. Right. And we recognize those things. We have the power to alter them and thus actually move towards uh, stopping the pattern and reaching what, you know, I speak about in my books as the ascension from this realm, which is graduating, you know, getting uh, to this point rather than circling and doing it over and over and over again. And, you know, what we see and you know, we talked about the purgatorial realms, Mm -hmm. you know, purgatorial realms mean, you know, purification. Purgation means, you know, purging ourselves, purification of those things that no longer serve our path. Right. You know, the reason we look at it as purging or purgation is because when you look at an all holy God, and you know, we're somewhere along this spectrum between an all holy God and darkness, we have to recognize what that holiness is in order to be able to continue to approach it. In order to come closer to God, you have to understand what that means. And that's what these out-of-body experiences tend to produce in us. You know, I've had so many beautiful experiences where I have been given this insight into who God is. And, you know, another thing that I utilize in my writings are the ancient sacred texts that you Mm -hmm. mentioned, which I think are so important because... um, and I know are so important also because of out-of-body experiences I had about them, but, you know, because I right. started saying them because I was instructed to in an out-of-body experience. But, you know, the, the ancient sacred texts are those writings which contain those keys that were left behind by other souls who had achieved, you know, the mystical heights and out-of-body travel pinnacles and were getting ready to ascend out of this realm. And in their words... And those ancient texts that they left behind are the last words that give us the keys to the secret of how they ascended this realm. It's the golden key. And so those thousands and thousands of texts still exist. They're still yes. available to us, and they're actually becoming more so because of Internet. Sure. You know, because a lot of these things were out of print. Now they're coming back in print. We have the ability to see God through all these different eyes, you know. Do you think that the basis of this is the problem? I'm going to say, like you said, that process of uh, ascension, of bettering yourself, of overcoming maybe tendencies that you have. And I think, to me personally, I believe that part of the problem is people have a deep self-hatred that never let themselves learn, overcome Maybe, like you said, their temptations or the darker side of their nature. Because, you, you like you said, who would want to make a deal with yeah. something dark? Because you know you're going to come out in the, with a short end of the stick. But to me, I'm thinking if you have a self-hatred to begin with, you really don't care. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's a combination. And that's a really good point. Because, you know, in my near-death experience that I had in 2003, Jesus told me, 
that, you know, the simple answer to our purpose in this realm is to go from selfishness to selflessness, right. you know? And so, and he showed me a lot about that. I was taken through a lot of these heavenly realms. It was so beautiful. Um, and, you know, so that's a big part of it is the selfishness and becoming more selfless and thinking about others. But part of what that process includes is that we have to be willing to receive the love of God yes. in order to have anything to give. And so if we aren't uh, willing to allow ourselves to receive it, and I do think a lot of people have a lot of self-hatred. And, you know, this is part of, you know, this is an important point. I'm glad you brought it up because we cannot give anything of ourselves it is only the Holy Spirit and God working through us that we can give. You know, in the in the revelations that were given to Saint Faustina on the you know the Divine Mercy revelation, um, Jesus said to her repeatedly, "Mercy is the greatest attribute of God," right. and I think that is something so important for us to really remember and talk about and repeat because the whole point of his revelation to St. Faustina was for us to remember that despite our human failings and despite these things that we do need to purify, God is merciful and he loves us. Right. And, you know, in these out-of-body experiences, one of the things that happens is we touch into that unconditional love of God, because we experience it when you go out of body. It's like the people who have near-death experiences experience that unconditional love of God and that wisdom and knowledge. You experience that in the out-of-body travel state as well. And so it helps you to bring it in. You know, I, I always tell people that as you are experiencing out-of-body travel, every event, you're bringing something of heaven to earth. And every journey, you're bringing more and more and more and more. And it's so true that if we don't allow God to love us, it yes. makes it so hard for us to then, you know, love others. Um, and that, that becomes this, you know, one of the things you see with a lot of lost souls, and I, when I use this, I'm, this, this barrier mm -hmm. between heaven and earth that does not need to be there and should not be there. It's something that we want to overcome in this life. That's something we are meant to overcome in this life. Mm -hmm. It's part of our journey here. Yes. And it is very important that we realize, you know, one of the things I've learned in doing a lot of spiritual counseling with a lot of different people and also receiving a lot of emails from people all over the world is that every single one of us is really so similar. Yes. We all have the same struggles. We all feel bad about a lot of the same things. You know, whatever you think that you, whatever reason you hold for thinking you suck is the same reason <laughs> I think I suck. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yes, and the yes. same reason that most people that I talk to think that they suck. Yes. You know, and we need to look at that because we we need to remember that um, there's a difference between humility and um, and literally self destruction. Yes. Yeah, that we people want, disguise it as humility. Right. Uh -huh. And so yeah. you know, humility 
is an excellent virtue that will help us to purify and move through this life and make progress. But it has to be the proper humility, which is I, I can do nothing without God, but through God I can do everything. And therefore, you're literally this barrier. You're, you're like pushing it away and you're opening up this energy force that allows everything to change. That's what happens when you start having the out-of-body travel experiences is that this energy is completely altered. We, we become, and, it, and that energy, as it starts moving through you and through your life, it changes your, the very molecular structure of your spirit, your soul, and even your body. Um, you know, um, even my, you know, I shouldn't be alive, but I am. And I'm, you know, it's a miraculous feeling that I had. And, um, and many people have experienced that sort of thing. And that's, you know, uh, that's a God thing. And it's also, you know, grateful to the doctors who participated in that, you know. Um, But we, we have to recognize that self-hatred does not serve us or God either. Humility serves us and it serves God in the sense that we become teachable by being humble. Um, you know, the, the problem with pride is that um, we, we, we end up, we can't be taught anymore, you know? Right, right. Like, yeah. and, and I personally think also sometimes that people, you know, to learn is a process. In other words, you don't walk into school and walk out the next day and you have all this knowledge, which means in that process that you described, you're going to fail and you need to try again. And uh, some things come easier than others. But I think sometimes people, they kind of either too hard on themselves or unforgiving of themselves to say, well, I made that mistake. I shouldn't have done that. I'm going to try not to do that again. Uh, But they never get beyond that. In other words, the lesson is lost on them uh, and they, they just... They, they want to not, how can I say, not practice at it. How's that? Yeah. They, yeah. They, 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 it's too it is, hard. It's, it's, that's an important point because it does take, you know, um, the, the two books I recommend for people on my site when they're just starting out is Come to Wisdom's Door and The Mysteries of the Redemption. Mm-hmm. And The Mysteries of the Redemption lays out this path, which is an ancient monastic path, which um, covers many, you know, Catholicism, Buddhism, Hinduism, um, is, the Islamic Sufi paths, and all these other paths, you know. But it involves purification, discrimination, and discipline. And so, yes, these these processes, we do have to undergo a disciplining of our hearts yes. and our minds. Yes. And so we do have to do the work, so to speak. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, and so, you know, as we're purifying, we're recognizing things within us that need to be altered. Discrimination is when we actually start learning more about the energetic truth and we're able to uh, then um, make the the discernments necessary. And discipline then is the part of the path where we start uh, doing the work of really disciplining to make those changes, you know, whatever it is that um, we make the mistake on, we, we need to practice the opposite virtue. It's, it's not that difficult, you know, like, so let's, okay, let's say if you got lust, then you're going to um, practice purity, which is the opposite virtue. If you're dealing with greed, right. you're 
try to do moderation. Um, you know, so you can, my book, uh, The Mysteries of the Redemption, uh, the beginning one, will talk a lot about the issue of the virtues and the vices and how you start with that disciplinary process. And of course, they all go through lots of different things. Um, Do you think that, um, and, I, and, and, the, and the reason why I brought that up is that we all have our personal challenges, as in some things come easier for you versus, you know. Yes. And, and you sometimes people, I hate to do it, they compare themselves and they look at some other person and go, why do, man, why can't I overcome this? And that person seems to not have a problem with it. But it's it's kind of an individual thing. And it's, well, maybe because this is the one area where you need to work it out more, you know, you just have a weakness in this area. And sometimes people, I, I think sometimes do too much of that comparison to who's around them. Uh, not realizing that everybody's on their own path, their own process, in other words. Right, and I totally agree with that, um, with that assessment. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Because comparing is pointless. Yes. Um, because of the fact, you know, um, another, you know, some other books that I'd, I'd highly recommend to people who are struggling with exactly what you're talking about, it would be, you know, there was a mystic, uh, Francisco Candido Javier, 1910 to 2002, very prolific, and he wrote a series that starts with a book called Nasolar, but there's 12 books in the series. He talks about the um, the nature of uh, what's happening in the reincarnation process and how we are forming our lifetimes based on what we need to overcome and it's very helpful because this is important when we compare because the the whole point of it is understanding well we each of us has a certain configuration here um, and so whatever our weaknesses are here, it's okay that there are other people that have already right. owned them. Yes. We are here to take care of whatever our configuration is. Yes. And, and, you know, the, the success of our personal journey, this incarnation, is completely dependent upon those personal uh, things that were set out upon before this incarnation. And so, you know to compare yourself to someone who's doing something entirely different, if you were doing what they're doing, it would be considered a failure at the end of your life because you didn't focus on the things you actually yes. needed to, to actually accomplish because these are energetic adjustments that occur. We make an energetic shift as we overcome things in our personality or our vice structures. It changes us energetically, and that is 
a shift and it makes it's it's important and so those are what our successes are um also another thing another book that i recommend to a lot of people some people love it some people think it's too they have trouble understanding it but it's called the spiritual life it's a treatise on ascetical and mystical theology by father adolf tanqueray and you know mystical theology is the study of uh the purification of the soul you know and Father Tanqueray wrote this masterpiece, which literally helps us to go through this process of, of deep, deep self-examination where we can overcome and look through. It's, it's a very powerful process. And this is the way that we can look at what we personally need to uh, do in this incarnation comparison yes. is pointless and you know the, the reality is that most of us when we when we actually compared our basic elements like like i said earlier we struggle with a lot of the same things you know there might be someone who might have more money or be more successful in one way or but you know uh, most people struggle with lust most nice. people struggle with, um, you know, you know, different types of, um, mo mo you know, moderation in their yes, lives. Exactly. Figuring out what exactly they feel that God has called them to do in this life. You know, there's a lot of similarities in our paths, and most people struggle with their their uh, relationships with the people who are close to them, with their spouses. Yes, everybody has their 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 weak point. For lack of a better yeah, word. and so you know we are really much more similar than we are different. So if you're going to compare, I would compare on that point, and then you'd find that our struggles we are so much yeah. more alike than we are. And you know the the reality is that those comparisons don't have any meaning because of the fact that um, what someone else is doing could be completely a pointless venture for your soul, right. and so. You want to remember that, and it doesn't diminish that it might be absolutely what this other soul needs to be doing for theirs at this point in time. And so it doesn't diminish that for what their journey is, but your journey is not diminished by, uh, you know, if you have a very simple journey and, you know, you feel like someone else has like some grand journey, that doesn't diminish the importance of that journey. You know, right. most of us take a lot of um, different types of paths during our lifetimes. We're all going to be uh, doing great things in certain lifetimes, and we're all going to live lifetimes where we intentionally uh, live a very quiet life, sometimes, you know, intentionally uh, very simple, um, and everything in between. We're all going to do those things. Right. Um, what's important is that we are consciously present for what we are doing right now. Right. You know, and then what you're also going to experience, like in the out-of-body experiences, um, you start this fairly early on as well, is you do start traveling into past and or future or parallel lives. Mm -hmm. And you start seeing some of these things because part of what happens, you go into the rites of passage, the initiations into the mysteries, and there is a period where there is a coming together of the knowledge of all these lifetimes, the personalities. 
So you do start seeing and you start seeing the patterns of behavior that you might start recognizing, oh, this is what I keep doing. Right. Over yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're like, okay, well, I handled it this way. This time I handled it this way, that time. So these things didn't work. I need to think of something else. You know, but then you're also going to see that you've had lifetimes where you might have done some, you know, some pretty intense things. You've done, you know, you've had a lot of lifetimes where you look like, you know, living on the frontier and got murdered by some bears and lions and you know, right, yes, yes. You know, I mean, you know, a lot of us have had a lot of short lifetimes because we we've had a lot of frontiers all around yes. the world. Yes. And you know, we've had a lot of those kinds of things. I remember going back uh, to a time when I was I was with I was a young boy mm -hmm. standing with my father facing a mastodon, okay. and you know, so we you know we have these lifetimes uh, that you'll see that you will have experienced many things. I remember experiencing lifetimes where I was profoundly handicapped. I remember lifetimes where I was a warrior. I remember lifetimes where I was a courtesan, you know, yeah. I mean, right. you know, both male and female, different things. And so what these things do is they provide us with perspective. They give us the ability to understand uh, and have compassion and insight wisdom into human experience which then becomes yes. the experience of all life and this then makes us um, better servants of God as we are called to assist when we are dealing with um, souls who are in the purgatories or the hells and they need assistance or souls who are lost souls, wandering spirits or otherwise, you, you know, and, and of course, I also ha uh, deal with, you know, the spiritual warfare. So I'm dealing with that. Let me, let me ask you something, Marilyn. What do you, because I, I see a lot of people that, you know, now that they're coming around and thinking of extraterrestrials, you know, like the some people are actually coming around. It's not like, oh, some, you know, cuckoo, you know, yeah, we're, yeah, et cetera, yeah. And I, see, I think a lot of people sometimes are thinking, okay, wait a minute. Sometimes I'm having a hard enough time trying to, to straighten out being just a human being in the context of, you know, that we've always thought of ourselves as the center of the universe. And yeah. it's our spirituality and God. And, and now you're going to pull in extraterrestrial beings from another planet. Or, I mean, they kind of like, okay, this is getting too crazy what do you feel is is the answer as far as our experiences as human beings you know within let's say i'm going to say planet earth because this is a lot you know this is where we exist on whether it's through the process of reincarnation or whatever how does that impact us or is that always been part of we just don't recognize it part of our of life outside of just what we know of as planet earth and our existence well, I can tell you that, like, um, when I when I go to the galactic heavens, mm -hmm. there are extraterrestrials in heaven. Okay. So we know that um, we know they're there, and and when you're there, it feels very natural to the point where you don't even notice them. You only realize it when you come back. You're like, wait, okay. there were extraterrestrials in heaven. Hmm. Okay. You no. Know? So we know that, and I've had many many extraterrestrial experiences in the Mystic Knowledge series. There's a book on extraterrestrials in particular. You can read about that, and there's a lot of um, I've had a lot of extraterrestrial experiences. Um, the purpose of our human existence here, right. on Earth, 
we are a third and fourth dimensional realm. And what that is, it's, it's a mortal realm, yes. which um, is a world wherein the battles between good and evil take place. So that means we're actually a purgatorial realm, okay. a purification realm. Mm -hmm. There are there are an infinite number of purgatorial realms. So, you know, um, as we go through that journey, we don't necessarily have to just reincarnate here. We will also travel through other worlds that serve purposes for that. Right. But here, when we're coming here, we are trying to instigate an alteration in something that we have not re resolved, something that has not received resolution. It's often a misunderstanding about eternal love, about eternal existence, about eternalness, God himself. Um, it's a misunderstanding that continues between groupings of souls where we're trying to get the, uh, some type of uh, resolution between some things that keep happening okay. between them. Um, and a lot of this just really has to do with literally people getting along with one another, <laughs> you know, yeah. and you know, a lot of these things where, where we learn to, to treat one another with love. Yes. We learn to treat ourselves as well yes. with love. Yes. Um, but that we, um, we become capable of giving and receiving love as God would have us do, where we, you know, Mother Teresa was a good example of, you know, someone who kind of just entered the realm in a, almost like a state where, you know, she just decided, I'm going to try to live this life. Mm-hmm. In a, in a different kind of way, you know. Her mother would say that she was just as precocious as any child. She was just, you know, did all kinds of normal things that everyone else did. But then she made a choice, and then she was, you know, she had, she had a mystical experience on a train where she was given her mission, and she just went for it, you know. Right. She was solid, despite the fact that we find out later after her death that she experienced a lot of dark nights of the soul. Yes. She she was steady in the vision of selflessness, giving yes. her soul over to selflessness, right. you know, and going back to the, what I was told by Jesus was selfishness to selflessness is that we have to alter our, our vision that way. Um, and that's an energetic shift in my near death experience. It was shown to me as like levels on a, on a board, you know, okay. where we had to get to a place where we could really set ourselves aside for the greater good of others. Um, and this becomes difficult because oh, yeah. we know that this is where we also have the conflict of how we have to deal with trying to do that individually while other people are doing whatever it is yes. that they're going to do. And that's where a lot of the challenges come in. And so, you know, uh, one of the things I often tell people is that uh, we learn very quickly in out-of-body experiences that God is love. You know, people say that and they throw it around. Right. But God is. When you experience God in the out-of-body travel state, 
he is the energy of love. And yes. so what we can know from this is that we, we can make decisions based on that knowledge of, okay, well, so if I want to try to do things as I hope or believe, you know, I'm trying to discern what God would do. I know that God is the energy of love. So I have to do it from this energy that I experience and feel and see in these out-of-body experiences. And for those, you know, for those who haven't had them, you can learn even more. You can learn about them even by reading what other people have experienced. Sure. You can, you can learn about these things by reading uh, my books and other people's books or whatever. But you can, you know, read in the mysteries of the redemption, see the things that I've seen, and and I try to convey them. And then that kind of becomes a part of your experience too. And so then we become. We are altering ourselves as we take that in to become more able to make decisions and um, choose our actions based on a different concept of exactly. wanting to move forward as that love, that energy of what love is. Not, you know, not just the silly notion of everything is love, you know, all that <laughs> Not right. that silly notion that it's this energy and yes. this is what fuels the universe. Yes. And that's a much bigger thing than the word love can contain. Uh, but we do our best <laughs> with well, words, you know. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I think that a lot of times people, when I tell people, it's like there's, you know, everywhere you go, there you are. And I think there's something on a soul level that you understand, like you said about maybe what you, you're trying to accomplish or overcome. Yes. And mm -hmm. it's and it's something that it's an agreement without fear of punishment. In other words, it's not because I'm doing this or trying to overcome it because I'm afraid. It's anything that's yes. based on fear or punishment, not a good thing. It's almost like something that I'm going to do regardless of reward or punishment. Because I know yes. on a soul level, this is what I need to grapple with. Like you said, everybody's got their own script that they, like you said, they keep stumbling over that same rock. Yeah. And, um, and and the reason why I say this is that sometimes I see people like they're, they're trying to put like this fear, a fear of hell, fear of this, fear of that. Uh, or disapproval, and, and, and I personally don't think that God looks at us in, in a disapproving tone. I think we do that ourselves when we're not caught up with our ego, you know, that we recognize what do I need to do or what are my shortcomings that I need to work out. But it's not, I don't think it's a question of that, you know, that God that shakes his finger at you and, uh, you know, punishment or anything like that i really don't think that that's the way it works ability thing than um punishment and that's right. what people don't realize is you know we go where we're compatible after death just like we create what we're compatible to oftentimes while we're alive sort of you know what i mean because that's yes that's yes a whole discussion but because it's not it's not like i'm not saying that as an absolute but you know but well, that's what happens after death for sure is we right. we go where we're compatible we become what we truly are, 
One of the processes that really helps us with this is, as like I was talking about, the spiritual life by Father Adolf Tanqueray. It's the study of things like mystical theology, which actually help us to learn to discern within our own soul right. what, what is goodness, what is holiness, and it helps us to bring that in. Um, those are the kinds of things that help us to actually bring in that altruistic spirit. You know, yes. one of the things um, that uh, psychology teaches, and it's very true, and this is this is very important as well, and um, is that you know part of the reason people often feel bad about themselves is when they they people feel bad about themselves when they don't feel like they've done the right thing, or when they don't feel good about what they're doing, or they don't you know when we make a decision and we make the decision based on you know, truly trying to do what is best for everyone with the best of what we can, right. we usually feel okay about it. Yeah. Even if everyone's mad or, you know, angry yeah. about because we know we know that we, we did do it, do it that way. If right. we do something and we're like, gosh, you know, it would probably be better if I did this, but I really would rather just do this, then we might feel bad about ourselves yeah. more. And that is a process that's psychological that makes us feel worse about ourselves. And we can think about that. And there's a reason why that happens. And part of that is because when we are doing things that are not pu pushing our soul towards the good, mm -hmm. we are pushing our soul towards the opposite. And of course, that makes us feel bad because we are going backwards. And we're not here to go backwards. So it makes us feel bad when yes. we do things that push us backwards. So every time we do something, anytime, it's a little thing, any little thing that pushes us forward. If it's something as simple as smiling at somebody, yeah. if it's something as simple as calling your mother and being kind to her, or right. if it's something as simple as, you know, gee, I'm going to do this really nice thing for my kids, even though I don't feel for it like it today, because right. I know really be or whatever, you know, you make decisions and you take uh, you take into consideration this greater good. And when you're doing that, the more you're doing this, and if you are literally feeding your soul with mystical theology, people have trouble bringing this in. You know, they read it and they're like, it's, it's so complicated. I don't really, you know, I, you know, but what it does is it changes the way that we think and it helps us to actually... Uh, look at ourselves more honestly and bring in, you know, because again, God's over here. He's the all holy God. We want him. So we have to understand what that means to be yes. the all holy God. So we, you know, this mystical theology, it's not about, oh, you suck. No, it's about, I want to understand how I can uh, better, better move towards God and stop doing things that push me away from God. Right. And, exactly. And when, when we're doing things that push us away from God, we always feel crappy. And yeah. you know, whether it's ourselves or just crappy in general, we do yes. feel crappy. And yes. that's going to continue. And that's part of why we have to have, you know, St. Padre Pio, who was a mystic and a uh, stigmatist mm -hmm. uh, in the 20th century, he was 
a huge proponent of the importance of daily spiritual reading. And this was part of it because he said, you know, we have to feed our soul. Yes. And so that spiritual reading is important. Even, you know, if you like, if you're looking at doing something, you know, there's a lot of options too on mystical theology. And I'm trying to put up an Amazon page with all my favorite mystical okay. theology books. So I'll try to get that out there and people can look on my social media. Great. I'll get it when I get it there. Yeah. Cause there's, um, especially with some of these publishers, they're putting out things that have been out of print and, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of things that haven't been available that are just masterpieces. Um, you know, another book that's really good for this that I wrote was called, is called the shining ocean. It's in the how to series. We have a okay. series of nine books, um, that starts with come to wisdom's door that goes in progression through, um, uh, the how-to processes, and every book takes you a, you know, like a, like, <laughs> it goes right. into a mystery of, of the process. The Shining Ocean uh, goes into a lot of this mystical theology, which is this self-examination and understanding the actual, the actual uh, purification processes that must take place as you're entering into these sacred mystical spheres. Um, and understanding yes. all the all the little nuances within it. Um, right. These are just very important, not just for that journey, but it's also it's what gives us contentment as human beings. Yes, and contentment and reason, is very important. And that contentment is it's it's an indication to us when we we're able to be at peace. It's an indication yes. that we are touching into. Yes. The purpose of our existence here and we feel contentment when we know we're moving in that correct direction and we feel right. discontent when we're moving away from it yeah. and that is a real good gauge for any of us that when we start feeling discontent to take a look at our life and say okay what did I change that might be pushing me away from God because when we are moving towards God we usually feel Content. Now there are, you know, obviously dark nights and things like that, which, right. which are part of that. But um, besides that, and you know, that's a whole other subject too. But uh, you know, we, yeah. we generally, when we make decisions and when we start doing that work, that discipline period, where we do the work of literally fine tuning our soul, and we're moving forward, we're going to feel much more okay doesn't mean we don't have, you know, this yeah. core feeling of, you know, but, you know, that core feeling is something we can still work with. And um, and I think it's important that all of us as human beings try harder to help one another with yes. that because yes. we all have it, I think. You know, this is one thing I think I see as being so universal. I think everyone has it. If someone doesn't have it, I'd like to know about it because everyone I've, you know, yeah. I, I think everyone's got it. And so yeah. yes. I think it's real important that we start helping each other with it yes. rather than actually uh, pushing each other further into it. Um, and that is part also, part and parcel also of changing the motion the, the, you know, the, the motion that's going backward of pushing someone, let it, you know, because it makes us feel better, you know, right. that shouldn't make us feel better. What should make us feel better is to uplift each other. Of course. Of 
course, mm-hmm. of course. And you that, want and you want everybody to to feel. If you're feeling good, you want others to feel like you do. In right. other words, experience spiritual tranquility because yes. you feel I'm doing the right thing. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And that's and that's, that's very we important. Need to be doing for one another, and that's all part and parcel. And you know, we want to look at it as motion because you know, you can see like with what I'm doing with my hands here. This is, you know, the way motion you see in the universe. And we want to be moving forward. We don't want to go backwards. Of course. But, you know, karmic is something that that goes around like a circle. And, you know, there's a purgatorial, there's several purgatorial realms that are called chaos realms. Mm -hmm. And they have, they all have different characteristics, but they all have this circling. And, um, and this is something that we see a lot of on, uh, in the earth as well, where a lot of people will circle. Um, they get caught up on the ground with materialistic concerns and things like this, and they circle. And if you're just circling, you don't move forward. Of course, you right, exactly. You break that momentum. You got to break the momentum of that circle, and you got to move. You got to stop that yeah, circle. You're stagnant, is what you're saying. Yes. You, 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 you're stuck. You, yes. you might, it might feel like you're doing something because you are in motion, but within right. that motion, it's you're not going anywhere. So it's right. kind of deceptive in a way. Of, that's part of the uh, that's part of the the whole uh, trigger behind the chaos realms and behind chaos in general is it's a way to make you feel like you're accomplishing something when you're just doing mindless and pointless activity. Right. And and that's what it is, and that's what you have to identify: mindless and pointless activity versus purposeful work. Yes. For the for the progress of your soul. And so, you know, you, you actually might be better off, you know, like if you're, if you're typically doing this, you'd be better off to literally just stop, mm-hmm. sit on your couch and feel like you're doing absolutely nothing yes. and actually think about it. Examine and, it. Yeah. Okay. Let's not go to the mall today. Uh-huh. I want to figure out how I can start making purposeful motion forward rather than pointless activity. Yes. And I totally and, agree with that. You know, one of the biggest things with uh, physical material life is distraction. Absolutely, yes. People do that a lot. Sometimes to their detriment. I mean, sometimes it's very, you know, people do it if they're experiencing, like you said, a momentary, you know, problem, and they'll distract themselves. But other people fall into that pattern where they're wanting to distract all the time. Distraction is one of the most common things that you will see when souls are crossing over. Um... It's one of the most common impediments mm-hmm. in, in souls crossing into the afterlife is distraction. Because what, what happens when pe- people will actually use distraction to the point where they accomplish nothing in this life. Literally, yes. they will get through the whole life and they will have done nothing for their soul. Right. And, and they don't realize that until the moment of death. And then at the point of death, they're so used to pointless activity and distraction they have to learn a whole new way of operating in order to even become capable of moving forward in the afterlife. It's We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks.
we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. One of the most common things I see, because the chaos realms are very full. Yeah, and I mean, I know people can distract, but I think especially now in modern times where there are yeah. so many ways to get distracted. Oh I yeah, mean, with all the electronics for sure, it's hard to create the silence that is necessary to keep the, uh, the ability to communicate with God open. You know, yes. and the spirit world and with, you know, just keeping the flow from uh, all the realms to the realm that we right. live in. And, and people sometimes, and they've said it, for some people to shut off everything, even just to stay yeah. still, that's like you're asking them, like, uh, what do you mean? It's like, yes, turn everything off and try yeah. sitting there for a little bit and not do anything. And it's yeah. very difficult for a lot of people, by the way. Very difficult. Yes. And a lot of, a lot of, you know, and even, even just to turn everything off and pull out um, some type of spiritual reading, you know, and I have a lot of recommendations on my website and I've made some really good recommendations here that would really help you to refocus on the work of the soul, which is, this is, this is something that a lot of people just don't um, really give enough thought to, which is we are here for a very short period of time. It seems like it's long. We, yes. we, we behave as if it's permanent. We know it's not. Mm -hmm. And we are here to achieve very particular goals, spiritual goals. So if you are not pursuing that, you're not going to achieve them. And yes. you, you're going to waste another lifetime. And you need to realize that people do waste a lot of lifetimes. Yes. And that is... That is not a, a desirable thing to do. We want to start getting people out of the circular motion into the continuum of knowledge and moving forward because that's what is necessary, not just for us individually. It's also necessary for us as humanity. Yes. A lot of the things that we're seeing worldwide are happening because People are getting further and further away from that continuum of the yes. spirit, the continuum of knowledge, and people are getting so distracted they cannot sure. see the forest for the trees. Yeah. And we have to be able to do that in order to create a greater civilization where people are operating. You know, if we don't even do the work on a personal level of the purification and the understanding of the discernment, the process of discernment is a, a job that we have to be willing to do and take on personally. If we don't do it personally, how can we as a society um, right. ever agree to what is correct, what is the right way to approach something, uh, what is the most uh, likely to be life-giving and fruit-bearing for all? rather than something that's going to continue to de-energize and de-energize and de-energize and de-energize. Right. You see all this fighting, you see all these shootings, you see all this yes. war. This is the result of disconnected souls that are doing this right. and doing this. 
And we have to be getting people to stop that and start doing this. And once we get people to connect and reconnect back into the source of all knowledge, then things are going to start making sense again for people. But it has, it does require some work. It requires this discipline of being willing to put in some of the effort. Um, And, you know, this is a real easy ploy of the dark side. There's a lot of uh, simple ploys of the dark side that have been very successful that um, I think are important for people to realize. You know, one is the, um, the fact that a lot of people don't believe that uh, the dark side even exists. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> That's one of the easiest things that they pulled off because if the dark side doesn't exist, then everything goes. That's why people think they can worship Baphomet and there not be any bad mm-hmm. consequences after death right. um, and then um, the, another one is that you can just be completely worldly completely scattered completely distracted and that things of the spirit things of God are unimportant and irrelevant and here we are uh, I think it's important we take a moment to realize that here we are mortal beings we know this life is impermanent and yet we do that yes oh so, yes and so that's that's illogical right in and of itself but yeah that is a real simple ploy of okay let's throw more devices let them all get addicted to all sorts of technology oh, yeah. and stuff and then you know then they'll never uh, you know get back into prayer meditation spiritual reading right. or even the silence you know i mentioned this in another interview that uh, the there has been some scientific studies recently showing that um the you know the human brain really needs to have silence to actually yes. be able to re- recover and heal and we also know that the attention span of human beings is going down every year um, on based on electronics and devices yes. and the attention span is a really important thing for us as human beings in order to maintain our ability to continue to commune with the divine we don't Absolutely. want to curse off completely if we do we're just literally going to be going backwards and we're already seeing that happen on a massive scale yes yes and and it's becoming apparent because like you said because of these technologies you're aware of it more often before where communication was much more limited now it's very in your face it's uh and 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 it's and it has its upside. It it serves a good purpose, yes. but not when it takes over everything and all of our attention and all of our emotion. Because I think that's another thing. It eats up our emotions. Yes. Uh, and it leaves us spent. Yes. And uh, the 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 human to human thing is starts going away. Yes. And that that I think that that causes a big problem for us as human beings. The way we're made up emotionally and physically and spiritually altogether the component we suffer yeah. for it tremendously yeah and you and you do end up with these bite-sized relationships yes very superficial relationships which are not um, truly fruit bearing generally and generally um, are not something you know we need the fruits the fruits of the spirit um, are necessary you know and so by cutting all of those, you, you can see if you just look at that, cut out the fruits, cut out the, the meaningful relationships, cut out people's ability to concentrate and focus, cut out the, the ability of people to reside in the silence. Um, 
you can see how easily these are ploys of the dark side to cut us off from the divine life itself. Yes, yes it is. It is. Um, and and, and, and it, it, it causes, and, and it's very, I want to say, it's not, it's very deceptive in the way it works. Uh, yes. Because it feels good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, like, it's like it because yeah, because it it's it takes more effort, it's more work. You know, I relate to this too because I have to discipline myself. Right. You know, I can't. I don't. You know, it's not like I don't struggle with it either. I'm like, you know, right. gosh, it's more fun to just go do that. I don't want to do this right now. Sure, of course, of course, but, we know, all we all have to like. It doesn't. It's not like you wake up and oh, it's like there's. Of course, we're human beings. That's the human condition, where yeah. you know you want to slide into the. What is it? You know, the easiest thing. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, of course, that, 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 that's something that I think happens to everybody. But anyway, Marilyn, I wanted to thank you so much for spending this time today. It has been absolutely wonderful, wonderful to talk to you. Okay, oh, because you, you have so many areas of interest and something that I think is critical to us as human beings individually and in, as a whole, which is our souls. The, the yes. one thing that is immortal about us. Yes. Yes. And, you know, um, your listeners, feel free to go to our website. It's at outofbodytravel.org. Okay. Uh, you can download any of our books at under Out of Body Books, the tab. We okay. also have a course of study that's totally free as oh, well. Oh, perfect. Yeah, and it takes you through... Um, a whole rigorous, you know, you could take, you take it at your own, your own time and whatever works for you and you okay. can do it however works for you. And, um, also we have, I, I do spiritual counseling, which you can check out okay. on the site. Yes. But, and um, I, I will have a link to your website on the credits of the show as well. But I mean, besides our podcast listeners that heard it, but anybody can go and also there's a hyperlink that will take oh, them great. to your website. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So it's been great. Thank you so much, Marlene. No. It's fun Continue. Absolutely, darling. Take care. Bye-bye. Good luck to you. Bye-bye. You too. Okay. She is great. She's great. Let me tell you something. She has so much information that I'm telling you, we only skimmed the top of the pool of information that Marilyn uh, has studied. Not only studied, but is an expert in um a lot of spiritual stuff uh, and, and I want to say this is not pertaining per se to any religion it's not that oh it's this religion or that religion it's to me personally I think spirituality transcends the identification I hate to say it in some cases the division caused by um, certain religions and by this I mean if you want to belong to a certain religion or religious tradition I, I think that's fine because I think certain things resonate differently with a certain person, I, I, I just have a problem when there's exclusion or division. That's when I think that 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 is <clears throat> that works against the whole idea of spirituality and growing spiritually. Because I think ultimately, all roads, you know, that all roads leads to Rome, all roads lead to the divine. And for different reasons, circumstances, maybe the religion you were born into, let's say your family of origin or something that you participate in as an adult. It, everything is, everybody's different, but that's what I'm saying. It's it's not like a one size fit all, but that thing about one is better than the other, I, I don't I, I don't go with that. And, and everybody's at a different 
pace, a different level. Um, and one thing I, w I wanted to say, and, and, and I think it's really important, is that, you know, a lot of times when people look at um, holiness, I'm going to say holiness, you know, you always think of people or that were extraordinary, uh, maybe they were very pious, some of them were even what called martyrs, uh, in other words, and, and so people kind of think, well, uh, that's, that's for like certain very special persons that either because early on in their lives they had a revelation or sometimes because something happened to them and they be, they they be enter into the state of pursuing holiness 24/7 and i there's people like that i'm but she gave a modern um example with uh mother teresa who became uh a nun very young and, and she went off to india and she worked she was most most well known for of course her work in the slums uh of india and um, that she was there basically her whole life. And I think that there is something that we can all pursue on as regular people. When I say regular people, I mean on a day-to-day -day basis. I, I think holiness, I, I don't want to take away from the grandeur of the word because of the way we think of it in the context that we've been taught. But I think as regular human beings with all our faults, all our misgivings, we are holy, even in small, in small steps. The one good thing that we do maybe in a day, stuff that maybe nobody's there to witness when you do the right thing, when you help somebody. And, and it's not because uh, you're going to get praised for it or you've got somebody that's going to say, oh my God, that, you're so nice. Wow, that, you did that. No, no, I'm talking about when there is no witness nobody that's going to pat you on the back and say oh good job or oh you're such a good or you know or you're no there's there, there would be nobody there to to say one way or the other okay i personally think that those are the moments when you are the most holy the most spiritual um i think that those are the steps where your soul grows um and and the rest of your day might be filled with stuff that I'm doing the wrong thing or like she said being distracted or putting off stuff that you need to do because and I've said this before God we are overwhelmed with things of the the what's called multitasking I'm I find that sometimes I'm I wake up at two or three in the morning, it's happened to me, and I'm doing a to-do list in my head. And it's like, what are you doing? Okay, like, and it's like, I gotta stop this. I gotta turn this off. Because physically, obviously physically, believe me, I understand how bad that is for you. But there, in other words, this, um, like she said, that wheel within chaos that you're going around, it's very deceptive because it makes you think you're accomplishing stuff I'm doing stuff and I understand that, that there's a lot of things that we need to do let's say in our lives which is the moment we're living right now where you you have to do this you have to go to work uh, you have children you have to pick them up you have to take them to do this you have to do that uh, you know you're preparing uh, let's say like right now um, you know 
uh, school just started uh, and you maybe have and there's even people now I've seen it God knows commercially we're being heard in that direction which are already looking at the holiday season now you know the last few months of the year uh, where even commercially they kind of like cracking that little whip on our butts going look look we're putting out the autumn fall stuff and the Halloween stuff and the Thanksgiving stuff and the Christmas stuff and so people are like okay and well my god Christmas and oh yeah so I know that a lot of times it takes a lot of effort on an individual basis to pull back and say wait a minute <laughs> stop stop yes all those things whatever my to-do list is that I need to take care of my family myself my obligations my father job I'm not I'm not diminishing the importance of that but that you have to say I have to stop this a minute and give myself a moment of solitude how's that and people will a lot of people go solitude and I'm thinking yeah solitude there's nothing wrong with solitude <laughs> and when I mean solitude I don't mean solitude as in I'm gonna sit over here and I'm gonna be on my phone Ooh, that's not solitude I'm talking about solitude as in I'm gonna be by myself I'm not gonna I'm not going to watch TV I'm not gonna be on the computer maybe if you want you can play some soft music and even then you have to be careful sometimes I'm sometimes I wonder what the music people you know submit themselves to but okay but let's say no music will you just sit there and just like let your mind wander a little bit like let it, let it empty out and empty yourself out of that need oh, oh you know what you know oh you know I need to well oh my god sit down here but I've got this and this and this and this and this too yes we need to do that we need to I I, I, I think that if most people did that even the busiest 10 15 minutes okay just sit there and people say well I I can't ever do that you know what I've had three children well I still have three children but I mean I've gone through because a lot of people will say I've worked full-time I've gone to school I mean I've done it all I mean as far as most human beings have had that experience and I know that if you can't do it at home you can even sit in your car and just stop and just sit there and fight the need to look and do something because you think you're losing out on precious time and that's how I think how it starts that you start allowing yourself that moment of introspection and that ability to communicate or listen to your soul what you know or what's really going on in your head and, and it's like a process and she's <clears throat> like she says and then that you start having this communion with your with yourself internally that's not all about what's out here and I think that once you get that dynamic going then you start moving beyond that what she calls that circular motion where it feels like you're going somewhere because you're really busy and doing a lot of stuff all the time but in reality all you're doing is like a hamster wheel kind of deal yeah the hamster's not going absolutely nowhere it thinks it is but it's not going anywhere because what's gonna happen is once you start doing this on us it, it it pulls you out of that um, out of that belief that you're doing something when in reality you're not or that these things that seem like they're so important they either they're not important or they're important 
but not as important as you think. Which, by the way, also pulls back on that pressure that we all get. Like, I gotta do this, and I gotta finish, and, I, and, and, and you know, and the deadline, and people that like, you know, it's like, okay, wait, you know that that. Which, by the way, I highly recommend that we all limit ourselves to what we can do within 24 hours that day. Because when we start getting ahead of ourselves, we drive ourselves crazy. And uh, getting back to originally what I was saying, that that a lot of people think of <clears throat> holiness as being something for saints or for aesthetics or uh, somebody that's going to sit on the mountain, you know, wearing a loincloth. And I think that the state of holiness is achieved by regular people, maybe in moments it just be a moment of holiness so that's what i'm saying i'm trying to take the word holiness out of the context of what we always think of as holy uh or or that it's a person that's in a religious order that's in a monastery or in a convent or some place where there's continuous prayer which by the way that's great but you know a lot of times when people would go to convents and monasteries or the, you know these is because of course you're being pulled away from regular life because it's really hard to be devoted when you've got your little kids running around under you asking you, mommy, huh? And you know, I need to go to the bathroom. It, it's because sometimes that is the challenge to do it within the scope of engaging in messy life. Okay. Creation and still be able to strive towards those moments of holiness and communion with our spirit and thereby with the divine. And it's not just something that pertains to a holy person. It's, in other words, we are all holy people that we just have to be aware, be aware and try not to be sucked into this vacuum of distraction which by the way I'm glad she pointed that out because God knows that it's very we're inundated with different a gazillion million ways of distracting ourselves uh, and, and don't get me wrong there are times when distraction is exactly what we need and let me explain sometimes we have a big problem or, or, or let's say we have a bad day at work you know that 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 saying that they say how women when the, the going gets tough to tough go shopping Sometimes we do need that because I'm going to say it as a woman, you go, you go shopping for a bit and you get, you know, and you distract yourself for a little bit, maybe, oh, looking at this and looking at that or, you know, some clothing and you, and, and all of a sudden it just pulls you away from maybe a, a problem that you've got or maybe a bad day. Or even when people go to the movies, you know, that that distraction is okay because it kind of allows you not to telescope on a big problem. And then when you come back from that distraction, you realize, man, you know what? I, I was I was getting carried away. This is bad, but not as bad as I thought. Or, you know what? Um, maybe maybe I'm thinking this is what I want. It's not what I want. Or, or that worst case scenario, I look at it and it's like pretty bad, but I can handle it. Or I think of alternatives. It kind of allows you that that couple of hours of distraction. Uh, and I'm gonna give you a perfect example. I was I remember when my grandmother, um, she used to love fishing. As a matter of fact, she's the one that made a fisherwoman out of me. And I had broken up with I was with a boyfriend, and it was a pretty serious um it was a pretty serious relationship. I wanna say I was like nineteen, twenty, something like that. 
It was a midday thing, and she was at home all the time. She had bad arthritis on her legs and everything. And I went over to her house, and I told her. And I said, she goes, well, you want to go fishing? I was like, okay. And I went out there, I took her fishing, and we both fished. And you know what? I spent like oh, four or five hours out there. You know, there's places out here in Miami where you could fish off the bridges. And she loved it. I loved it. And you know what it did for me? That four or five hours of distraction, it made me not feel as bad and really gave me almost a way of looking at what happened as in, is it really as bad as you think? Or is there something in it that really you wanted? Yeah, it, it, it just allowed me a different perspective, you know, because when we're all intense and caught up in the moment, we see things way out of proportion. And, and then I guess my point being that sometimes distractions, when they're in that context, serve a purpose. However, when you're continuously distracted, all the time distracted, and you jump from one distraction to the other, it's very deceptive because you think you're doing something and it, it feels great, but it doesn't allow you to figure out things that need to be resolved or that you say, I need to work at that. Even if it's little by little, I just can't pretend it doesn't exist. Okay. And that's another thing. Sometimes people see a problem and they're like, it's gigantic. It's enormous. I'm never going to, so I'm just going to put it away and not look at it. Instead of saying, well, you know what? I want to do a little bit every day. You know, my 24-hour suggestion, what can I do today? A little bit, and then a little bit, and then a little bit. And you break it down, and then it becomes more, yay, man, I got this done. Well, okay, this is not as bad as I thought. Okay, I'm going to do a little bit here and a little bit there. And you don't allow the distraction, whether it's stuff that, that that's intruded upon you or yet you seek out and you basically navigate the waters of modern life because this is where we're all living right now I think you know each time period has its own challenges and we're now we're talking the 21st century with the advantages and disadvantages of technology and you know we're faced with things that people a hundred years ago or even let's say 70 years ago didn't have to worry about and vice versa. You know, they had diseases, you know, people, there was polio and tuberculosis and the Spanish influenza that now we don't have to worry about those diseases. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of things that people back then died from and we don't think twice about it because it's not a threat anymore. But, you know, there is some things that now with our technology is... They didn't have to worry about a lot of it. I personally think is the time is time, time. Time seemed to be more available, and it was okay. By the way, it was okay to want time, to have time, to use time, to slow down. Uh, you weren't thought of as, uh, you know, like like with phones. And I'm sure everybody's experienced it. People call you, hey, why didn't you pick up the phone? Uh, because was in the bathroom I don't know I was outside I it happens to me I'll leave my phone here and I'm outside working with my animals I don't take my phone out there because sometimes I don't even have a pocket and after a while I kind of my family knows that 
if you, you know uh, uh I, I I'm not answering the phone because probably my phone is not with me and just leave me a message or text me and I'll get back to you but how many of you I'm sure most of you find yourselves in that predicament where you're expected to be instantly available all the time and maybe a people a hundred years ago they didn't have to worry about that nobody expected you to be like there all the time you don't think that has a built-in pressure I beg to differ it sure does and even now in countries that are less developed you walk around you I mean you look at the these all these uh, uh, docu document doc documentaries and you've got people in the, out in the bush and they've got a phone <laughs> it's everywhere and so it serves a purpose of course you know in an emergency but at the same time I think it robs us of time so anyway guys I hope you like the show I love speaking to Marilyn I'm hoping to bring her back and maybe we can discuss some of the other topics which she's got a gazillion million of and I urge you to visit her website which is outofbodytravel.org I'll have a link to it in the credits of the show and like she said her books uh, can be downloaded for free e f r e e so don't miss out on that chance and again I want to thank you all for being part of my audience I've got fantastic guests coming on and I want to thank you for spending this time with me take care for the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done for the ones wearing many hats for the ones who are hands-on even from far away and the ones keeping business moving forward we are Granger. Offering supplies and solutions for every industry, with 24-7 support and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row. Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks.